Hey, thank you for taking time in your day to make us a part of your day. Welcome to The Quest. It's so good to be together, especially if you happen to be checking us out. If you're checking us out, we just want to thank you for being with us. We're going to open up with a word of prayer. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm so glad that God knows what's going on in your life. We've got a lot of things that are just kind of bombarding us. We have things that are and activities in our personal lives, but more than that, even in our world, and all those things affect us. We want to make sure that we have faith in our connection with God and our trust in God, knowing that he's not just aware of what's going on, but he's present with us. So this is an opportunity to just bring God into the activity of your day. My prayer is not necessarily going to make it for you, but your conversation with God is what's going to make that great connection and bring God's activity into your life. So I just encourage you to talk to God as we talk together. Let's do that. Father, we love you and thank you so much. We thank you for your goodness in our lives and thank you for your love in our lives, that you care about all of the issues of our lives, the big things and the small things. Father, we just lift up to you those issues in our lives that tend to draw us to fear and draw us to anxiety. They tend to draw us to complacency and things like that that just bring separation with you, and we don't want that. Father, increase our faith. Help us to have faith. Help us to open our heart to trust you in ways that maybe we've never trusted you before. You know the needs in our lives. You know them intimately and well. We ask that you would step in. Father, that you would do your will in our lives, that you would accomplish your purpose in our lives. And I'm so grateful, so grateful for your presence with us. So grateful that you encourage us through the hard times in life. And so I just... Thank you for my friends that are listening. I ask that you would be with them today. I ask that you would just encourage them throughout this talk, but more than the talk, even throughout the day, Father, that you would encourage them and uplift them and bring them close. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we are in a great series that we've continued, and it's called Jesus Revolution. It's, you might have seen the movie that's out right now with the same title. The Jesus Revolution in the 1970s was this move of God. It was a kind of a revival or a spiritual awakening that not just the culture had, but the church had as well. In fact, it's probably a good definition of a revival. And that is when the church and the culture have an encounter with Jesus that changes their hearts. As we mentioned in the series, in the 1970s, the culture and the church were both in great need of revival, though neither one of them knew it. And it's just like it is today. Man, the church needs a spiritual awakening. We personally need a spiritual awakening, a greater revelation of who Jesus is in our lives, a greater revelation of his love in our lives, a greater awareness of his power in our lives, and a greater heart for the world that he loves so much. So what is a Jesus revolution? You could write this down in your notes if you want to. A Jesus revolution happens when we know Jesus personally. It's not just getting to know about Jesus, it's understanding our need of Jesus and getting to know him on a personal level. It's where we're hungry to know him and to love him. That's one of the things that you see in the 1970 Jesus revolution, is they had a great hunger for Jesus. They wanted to know him. And their hunger for Jesus was greater than their hunger for the things of the world. They would rather have Jesus than the things that the world offered them. So the purpose of this series is to discover who Jesus really is, who he claims to be, to really get to know him personally. 
then as we know him personally, it affects how we respond to him relationally, how we do life with him. So the scripture that we've been looking at throughout this series is this. You can look at it. It says this. You'll remember, my friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. Paul says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. Jesus Christ and who he is, then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. He kept the focus on Jesus. He kept it all about the relationship with Jesus. Because the problem is, without relationship with Jesus, we create a religion about Jesus. It's where we create a pursuit of Jesus that seeks to impress him and to get his attention and to earn his favor and all those kinds of things. And that is dead and lifeless. Jesus didn't come to set up a religion. He came up to set a relationship with us. So we've been looking at different traits of Jesus so that we have a greater experience with Jesus. And, and one of the traits that we're going to look at today, a Jesus revolution happens when I discover that Jesus is my best friend. Man, is Jesus your best friend? Probably one of my favorite traits about Jesus is that he is my very best friend. Studies show that we are in great need of real friends. While the average person has two to four close friends, we continue to struggle with isolation and loneliness. And the problem may be with our definition of what a friend actually is. Because we tend to think that a friend is somebody that we know on social media. Or maybe we think that friends are a list of people that we associate with socially. Or maybe it's people that we think we have a history with. Or people that we actually see regularly. Those tend to be some definitions we attach to what a friend is. And the other problem that we experience is studies are showing that our friendships are becoming more and more superficial. In other words, the activity of our friendship is shallow and artificial and empty and actually meaningless. Proverbs says it well. It says it this way, One who has unreliable, artificial, superficial friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the friend we're talking about today. See, because real friends are deep friends. Real friends are loyal friends, and we all need friends. But Jesus just doesn't want to be just a friend. Jesus wants to be your best friend. So what does Jesus say about being our friend, and why does that matter? Well, let's look at the scripture where he talks about it. It says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. The word friend had a very particular meaning during Jesus' time. The Roman emperors of the day named a select few that were called friends of the emperor. These friends had unlimited access to him. They could even enter his bedchamber before the sun rose. They were closer to him than his servants and his advisors and his generals even. The emperor's friends formed his inner circle. They were the ones that had access to his heart, his deepest thoughts. This is the friendship that Jesus offers us. In the entire Old Testament, there were only two men that were ever referred to as friends of God. One of them was Moses and the other one was Abraham. They enjoyed a close relationship with the Lord. 
And he revealed himself to them in unique and special ways because of this friendship. I don't know if you remember, but the people of Israel, when they were wandering through the wilderness, they didn't want that special revelation from God. They didn't want that special time with God. They didn't want that one-on-one time with God because they were so afraid of God. They would rather God speak to somebody else rather than God speak directly to them. And while the Israelites were, in fact, children of God, they were never referred to as friends of God. The Lord couldn't reveal himself to them in an intimate way because they wanted no part of it. So you can write this down. Super important to know, but when Jesus is your friend, your best friend, you have access to the heart of Jesus. You have access to the heart of God, his thoughts, his plans, his intentions. He doesn't just share information. He even shares the emotion of his life. See, friendship with Jesus means that he's shaping his heart within us. Not just shaping, but sharing. And what happens is we begin to love what he loves. We love who he loves. We value what he values. And remember, the activity of our lives is shaped by the values in our lives. In other words, the action of our lives is a byproduct of the values that we hold dear to ourselves. What we value and what is important to us shapes how we act. So when Jesus says this, you are my friends if you do what I command, here's what he's saying. He's saying our friendship with Jesus reveals our shared values with Jesus. Because he's brought us close to be his friends, into his inner circle, because he shared his hearts, his thoughts, and his love with us, we begin to love what he loves to love who he loves, and to love the way that he loves. We begin to value the things that he values. There's a scripture in Hebrews that helps us understand the depth of Jesus' friendship with us. It's not just that he calls us a friend. It's how he displayed himself as our friend. It says it this way. That's why he, Jesus, had to enter into every detail of human life. It's why he came. That's what he's saying. The reason and the purpose why Jesus came into human life is this. When he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. And this scripture really points out something important, and that's this, that Jesus understands me. Jesus understands us. Jesus didn't come to tell us what to do. He came to show us what to do. He came to show us how to live. Jesus left the splendors of heaven, the comforts of heaven. He left the joys of heaven to experience all the discomforts of this world, to experience all the discomforts in our lives, to go through the hurts and the betrayals, to experience the pain and the temptation in life. He absolutely understands everything that we go through because he also has been exposed to it. And he wanted to be exposed to it so that he could be able to say, I understand you. I know how you feel. And the issue is Jesus didn't come to just understand us. He came to help us. That scripture that we read says that Jesus experienced all these things so this, so he would be able to help where help was needed. Another translation that I really like, it's not on your notes, but it says it this way, that he is able to help us when we're being tested. I don't know about you, but life is full of tests. Life is full of challenges. 
Jesus doesn't just watch from afar. He is a friend who is with you and understands you. And because Jesus understands you, it means this. Jesus understands your relationships. He understands the fragileness of relationships. He knows what it feels like for your closest friend to deny you and to turn their back on you. When Jesus needed a close friend most during this final week of his life, his, one of his closest friends, Peter, denies him three different times. Jesus understands what it means and what it feels like to be betrayed. He understands what it feels like to be misunderstood, to not be taken seriously. He understands what it feels like to be labeled. Scripture says that this way, when Jesus' ministry began, it says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? In other words, they were labeling him. They were not accepting him. Jesus even understands what it feels like for family to turn on you, to undermine you. It records that Jesus' natural family said this. There was a time when Jesus was casting out an evil spirit. And it says this. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, to take hold of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. Relationships are difficult. And Jesus understands that intimately. Of all the people that should be supportive, you would think it would be family. But family can also be the relationship that brings the greatest hurt in our lives. They're supposed to be the ones that have our back. They're supposed to be the ones that defend us. And when they don't, it really does hurt us. Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't just understand. He also can show you how to forgive those who hurt you most. Because that's exactly what he had to do. Because Jesus is your friend, Jesus also understands this. He understands your life. He understands everyday life, the routine of life, the cycles of life. Jesus probably spent at least 18 years of his life as a carpenter. He didn't start his ministry until he was 30. And he only did that ministry for three years. He understands what life is about. He understands the details of life. He understands the frustrations of life. He understands the frustrations of a job because he had a job. He was a carpenter. He had to work with family. He had to deal with unhappy customers. He had to pay taxes. And he probably hated that like we do too. Scripture tells us this. It says, now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest, this representative that has ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with reality. He's been through weakness and testing experienced it all, all but the sin. So when we believe that Jesus really understands us, we're going to talk to him differently. We're going to seek him out. We're going to seek out his advice. We're going to draw strength from him because we know he's been through it. Also, when Jesus is your friend, then Jesus understands your trials. I think we tend to miss the real Jesus when we fail to acknowledge that Jesus felt pain. He felt obviously physical pain, but he also felt emotional pain. There's a scripture in Isaiah 53, it's not in your notes, but I just want to make reference to it because it, it speaks to this emotional pain that he went through. And it says this, that Jesus was despised and rejected by men. I want you to hear that. He was despised. He was rejected. He was an outcast by 
the people that he loved, the people that he came to love. It goes on to say this, he was a man of sorrows. In other words, the sorrows of life brought tears into his life. And it goes on to say this, and he was familiar with suffering. This is more than the crucifixion. This is about life. This is about the emotion of life. This is about the emotions that he dealt with because of the way people treated him. Listen, it's not just about teenagers. It is difficult for any of us to be rejected by our peers. Whether you're a kid in the playground, a teenager in school, or you're an adult in the workforce, Jesus understands the pain of rejection. He understands the pain of the rejection of peers. Hebrews 2 says that this way in the message, it says he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing. In other words, he knows exactly what it feels like to be bullied, to be picked on, to be oppressed. When we understand that Jesus has walked in our shoes, when we understand that Jesus has felt how we feel, it endears us to him. It helps us to relate to him. It helps us to embrace him. And it's not just that he went through all of this. He went through all of it and was not scarred by it. In other words, he doesn't carry the baggage of life that we tend to carry. He doesn't carry the baggage of hate that comes with being bullied. He doesn't carry the wounds and the scars of being mistreated. He doesn't carry the emotional scars of being hated and mistreated. He doesn't keep others at arm's distance because of how others have treated him. He wants to show us how to live a life free of emotional baggage, free of emotional animosity and, and judgment. He wants to show us how to live a life that is not defined by the pain in life. See, the problem is, is we tend to look at Jesus as the guy that has this attitude towards us that says, listen, people, you've got to get this right. And we fail to see a Jesus who understands us, who gets us. And all of this means that Jesus qualifies to be your very best friend. We read the scripture earlier. I want to read it again because I think it's prophetic. I think it speaks to the coming Messiah. This is about Jesus. And it says this, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that friend is Jesus. And as I said, I love this trait so much about Jesus in my life. The fact that Jesus is my very best friend says that no one understands me like Jesus. No one encourages me. No one strengthens me. No one supports me. No one loves me like Jesus. I love my wife and my wife loves me dearly and I know that. But Jesus is a friend who is closer to me than even my wife. And I want that for every single one of you who are listening. So three things I want to encourage us to do. And maybe three action steps for us. And the first one is this. Make Jesus your best friend. Make Jesus your closest friend. Make him your BFF. Love him, know him, talk to him, spend time with him. Bring him into every part of your life. Seek out his counsel and seek out his strength. That's exactly what Jesus did for you. Scripture says this. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, he says, I've called you friends because everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. He doesn't keep us out of the loop. 
And because he doesn't keep us out of the loop, we need to bring him into the activity of our life. All the drama, all the chaos, all the fears, all the animosity, that we're able to look to him as our closest companion, the one who never leaves us, the one who fully understands us. See, when everyone walks away, Jesus remains. Another action step is this. We need to talk to him. Listen, if he understands the relationships of our lives, if he understands the trials and the pain and the testings in our lives, if he understands our lives, then we need to talk to him. And I would encourage us to stop praying formally to him and start talking relationally with him. That we would open up to him to share our hurts, to share our fears, to share our pain and apprehensions, because we know that he understands. When Jesus is our best friend, we have a confidence in our conversation with him. That's what Hebrews tells us. It says this, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Listen, if you want help in your life, then talk to Jesus. Keep an ongoing conversation going with him. Here's the last action step, and that's this. Trust him with your life. I would encourage you to hand over the controls of your life to him. If you want the help of Jesus in your life, then we have to relinquish control of our life. Psalms 37 says it this way. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. You can't have a relationship without trust. And if you want Jesus to be your best friend, then you've got to trust him fully. Listen, we've read about Jesus. We've discovered this trait that we need from Jesus. And now it's time to apply it. Maybe today you need a change in your relationship status with Jesus. Maybe Jesus has always been a religious icon to you. Maybe he's been an acquaintance. You've heard of him, but you didn't know him. Maybe he was even a friend of sorts, but never your best friend. It's time to make him your best friend. You will experience a revolution in your life when you discover that Jesus gets you, he understands you, he is with you, that he loves you. It's time to experience him personally in your life, to let him have access to all of your life. There's some of you that need to trust Jesus today, to make time for Jesus to treat him as a best friend. You want him to be a best friend, but you've not given him access. You've not had the conversation with him that you would a best friend. You don't trust him. The way this changes is by inviting him in, asking him to be your best friend, giving him the controls of your life and giving him access to all of your life. So let's talk to Jesus together. Jesus, we come to you. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Jesus, thank you for coming and leaving the joys and the splendors of heaven to experience life with us, to experience our life, to understand us, to know what it is that we're going through, to experience the, the pain, the heartache, and not just to experience it, but to walk through it so that you could walk us through it, unscarred, unhurt, without the baggage in life. Jesus, there are many right now that are talking to you that 
that want you to be the center of their life. And I ask that as they are asking you to be the center of their life, that you would step in and not just bring forgiveness of their sins because you bring that, but Jesus, fill them with purpose. Jesus, fill them with your love. Jesus, make your connection with them so personal that it's as if you're sitting right before them. May they experience your love for them and your friendship with them. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for never forsaking us. Thank you for walking us through life, for being our closest companion. Jesus, thank you for befriending us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for accepting us and, and helping us. Thank you for seeking to understand us. Jesus, thank you that your friendship in our lives gives us strength that we need in life. That gives us the protection and the wisdom that we need in life because we walk with you trusting you. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Man, I want more than anything for you to know Jesus as your very best friend. Because when we know Jesus as our very best friend and the world walks away from us and people that we love even walk away from us or people that we love hurt us, even if it's unintentionally, Jesus never walks away. Jesus never brings hurt into your life. He brings strength and comfort that you need in life. Man, I hope that you experience and discover Jesus as your best friend because it's going to revolutionize your life. It's going to revolutionize your relationship with Jesus. Listen, thank you guys so much for being with us today and making us, again, a part of your day. I hope that you discover Jesus as your very best friend, even today, that you, throughout the day, are just reminded that he's with you, he's never going to leave you, and he understands you. He gets your life, and he's here to help you. Listen, have a great rest of your day. God's best to you.